Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. We've been in a series of messages that we're calling The Struggle is Real. So I want to wrap that up today, and I want to kind of talk about the struggle that we have within ourselves. Today, my title is Me and My Mirror. Me and my mirror. How many of you would say that you have a love-hate relationship with your mirror? Some of you are like, no, there ain't no love. But if, if you think about it, you need your mirror. You need it to shave in the morning. You need it to do your makeup. Well, I don't, just in case there's any confusion. You need it to... Make sure you don't have any of those little, y'all ever get those eye booger things that you, <laughs> you, you, you need your mirror, but at the same time, a lot of us hate our mirror because when you look in it, you, you see all of the wrong things, don't you? You see the wrinkles that seem to be multiplying and may have multiplied overnight, or you see the white that's coming in your beard. Have y'all noticed that in my beard? Okay. You see maybe those few extra pounds that you've put on. When you look at, in the mirror, you're really good at recognizing everything that's wrong with you, aren't you? When you look in the mirror, you're, you're really good at seeing what, what you could change. And for so many of us, we allow what we see in the mirror to define us at our core. If, if I were to ask you, and I didn't, didn't know you, but if I were to ask you who you are, most of you would start with your name. But then right after that, what would you go to? You would go to what you do. Maybe you would tell me your occupation. Maybe you would tell me about your hobby, something that you love. Maybe you would tell me that you're a grandparent. Maybe this is Springwell, so maybe you would even tell me all of the things that you do wrong. But most of us define ourselves and find our identity in who we see when we look in the mirror. And I don't just mean the external things. I don't just mean the gray hair or the wrinkles or the, or the few extra pounds, but I'm also talking about the things that you see that you do or the insecurities that you, that you have inside. How we define ourselves, y'all, is the single greatest decision we will ever make in our lives. But so many of us look in the mirror and we define ourselves by the reflection that we see, whether it's the outward appearance or whether it's the actions that we do, if it's, or whether it's trying to, to live up to a certain standard, live up to a certain perfection, we define ourselves by what we see in the mirror. Here's the danger in defining yourself by what you see in the mirror and by what you do and by what you feel. It doesn't tell the whole story. When we define ourselves 
by what we see and by what we do, we miss who we truly are because we don't consider what our creator says about us. We don't consider what he was willing to do for us. And so we miss so much of who we are. And on top of that, if, if we identify ourselves by what we see in the mirror and by what we do and by what we feel, the struggle with that is, is that it will be constantly changing. Your identity, your security, how you feel about yourself, if you, if, if you determine it by what you see in the mirror, it's gonna be constantly it's going to be constantly changing and you are always going to be held hostage by how you have done recently. So if I had a good day yesterday, I didn't cuss at my kids, didn't get in an argument with my spouse, then I'm going to feel pretty good about myself when I wake up the next morning. But if I had a bad day the day before and I did some things that I wish I hadn't have done and I saw some things about myself I wish I hadn't have seen, then I'm going to have this feeling that I'm not who who I need to be, we cannot define ourselves by our latest actions, what we see in the mirror or how we feel. And just a side note, if we identify ourselves by those things, we will reflect those things onto other people. Because you will notice what you do wrong and there will be something inside of you that all of a sudden begins to blame and begins to push it on other people. We can't define ourselves. We need something sturdier. We need something more secure. We can't define ourselves by how we feel in a moment, y'all. I know that we are living in a time where we're being told that we can identify by how we feel. But that is wrong. That is a lie. If you identify yourself by how you feel in a moment, you will always be empty and searching for something secure and something to plant your life on and something that won't be changing when you mess things up. You can't define yourself by what you feel. You can't define yourself by what you see. You can't define yourself by what you do. In the book of Romans, Paul, Romans 3, Paul writes about a kind of mirror. The book of Romans is often considered kind of Paul's gospel because he goes into detail of what it means to be saved. But in Romans 3, starting in verse 20, he begins speaking to these people he's writing to in Rome, a group of Jewish believers, people who had lived in the Jewish system but have now began to follow Jesus. And he wants to help them see themselves for who they are in Christ. Romans 3.20, he really doesn't make them feel any better. Listen to this. He says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. In other words, we're usually busy doing. When you are searching for who you are and you're searching for identity and you're searching to be fulfilled, oftentimes we relate that to I have to do enough. I have to get it right. Somewhere deep down, so many of us today are trying to prove ourselves, to try to prove our worth, to try to prove that we're worth something. We're trying to prove ourselves to ourselves and also to other people. I see this in my little nine-year-old boy all the time searching to prove himself, searching for validation. Daddy, mommy, come, watch this. Daddy, did I do good? Daddy, look at this. Daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, mommy. Looking to prove himself, looking for validation from somebody else. The unfortunate thing is that many of us never get out of that cycle. For some of you, you've been living in that cycle of trying to prove yourself, trying to find your worth through other people. For some of you, it did start when you were a child. Maybe you were raised in a home and you didn't have anybody validate you. 
So the people that raised you, you cried out for validation. You cried out for attention, but they didn't give it to you. And so now you've stayed stuck in the cycle of trying to prove yourself and prove your worth by impressing other people. Maybe you grew up in a house where the only time you felt loved was when you were on your P's and Q's and you were getting everything right and you were doing everything right, when you were being the perfect reflection in the mirror. Or maybe you lived in a house there was a lot of confusion, a lot of arguing. And so you had the feeling that you had to help control that arguing. You had to control that abuse. And so you had to prove yourself. You had to live up to a standard as to not cause anyone else to get upset. For others of us, we, it didn't start in our childhood, but it's something that's come as we've become adults. Maybe you made a mistake and it was a mistake and it messed up a lot of things and it changed a lot of people's life and it changed your life and you made a mistake and so now you feel like everywhere you go, you have to not make another mistake because if you make another mistake, it just proves that that's really who you were and not who you think, who, who you wanna be. So you live your entire life trying to prove to yourself and trying to prove to others that that was a mistake and you have to be perfect. For some of you, maybe you've been in a marriage Maybe you are in a marriage where the only time you feel loved, the only time you feel pursued, and the only time you feel connection with your spouse is if you are giving an accurate reflection and you are doing everything that they expect you to do. Or maybe, maybe you have a job and you feel like you're this close to losing that job every single day day and so you feel like you have to go to work to prove yourself over and over and over again. So many of us today and I talk to so many people who are living at the place of trying to prove themselves with what they have, with the impression that they give, with the way that they live their life, with the clothes they wear, with the car they drive, they're trying to prove themselves. That's what, that's what Paul is saying to these Jews he's writing to these Jewish believers, he's saying, you've been trying to prove yourself because it's the system you've been lived in. You've been trying to live up to a certain standard. You've been trying to meet all of the requirements of the law. You've been trying to earn the validation. You've been trying to earn the security and the identity because it's the system you lived in, but it's not gonna happen. You can't meet that standard. Y'all, we will never get to the point where we look in the mirror in the morning and we think, I've accomplished it, I'm perfect. You, you will never, you will never prove yourself enough. You will never be good enough to base your identity on what you do or what you see in the mirror. And Paul is telling these Jewish Christians, he's saying, just stop it. And I feel in my spirit that I need to tell somebody today who has been looking for so long in so many places for the validation and the identity that you so deeply desire and the security that you so long for. I feel like God wants me to tell somebody today and give you permission to stop it that you don't have to be perfect, that you will never get it all right, that that is not who you are, that you are not how you look, you are not what you did, you are something greater. So stop it because you'll never get there. It won't last, it won't be enough. You're more than that, you're better than that. And then in verse, to finish verse 20, Paul says, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. Well, doesn't that make you feel good? But can you imagine these people he's writing to? The ones who have staked their entire identity, their entire religious system, 
their entire eternity, their entire relationship with God on keeping the law. The Jews started out with 10 commandments. Remember Moses went on top of Mount Sinai. Remember the people went nuts while he was up there, but he got the 10 commandments. And so he brings them back to him. They quickly realized we're not gonna be able to obey these 10 commandments. We've got to add more commandments so that we don't break these 10. And they had somewhere around 613 laws before they were done. And so now Paul is coming in and he's saying, you're never gonna do it. Can you imagine the punch in the gut trying to wrap their mind around this truth is for them? For him to come in and say, there's, there's no way. If you try to get it all right and to try to prove yourself by looking in that mirror, you will just continue to make one mess after another, won't you? Because once you get one thing right, then something else will go wrong. Once you impress one group of people, there'll be a group of people over here that you didn't impress because you were too busy impressing these people. Once you get this part of your life right, something else goes wrong. So you'll be running from thing to thing, searching for everything to be perfect and searching for identity. The other day, I was on my way out of the house and I had my backpack and a bottle of water on our little kitchen island. So I grabbed my backpack and I go to run out the door and the bottle of water falls on the floor. Wouldn't have been a big deal except for the cap on the bottle of the water wasn't on there good. So it hits the ground. About half of the bottle of water pours out. I go, I turn it up. By this point, I feel like I'm running late. So I go over, I grab the paper towels. I pull the paper towel holder in the floor, unrolling half of the roll of the paper towels. I see the water headed under the fridge. I don't wanna have to move the fridge to dry it up. So I finally just tear some off. I get it cleaned up off the floor. I go, I throw those away. I get some, put the paper towel roll back on the counter, roll it back up, get a few more because there was some water on the island and I go to dry it up and I knock the bottle of water over again. But isn't that what it feels like? When you are staking your identity and when you are staking your value on trying to make sure everything and everyone is okay. Paul's telling these Jewish believers that the law is there so that it can show you that you need something better to stake your identity on. That the mirror is there, not so that you can finally get to the point one day of saying, I'm done, but so that you can see that you need something, you need something greater. You see, when you look and see all of that stuff in the mirror, the past, the mistakes, the hurt people, the broken relationships, when you look in that mirror, it's a sign that you need something greater to define yourself. So Paul tells them all that and then he gives them some good news in verse 21. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. In other words, we're usually busy doing. Jesus comes in and says, it's done. 
We're usually busy trying to prove. We're usually busy trying to clean up, trying to get it all right. We're busy trying to prove ourselves to other people. And Jesus steps in and says, it's done. He says, you can identify with me. If you'll put your trust in me, you can be made right. You can identify with who I am. Am. Everything that you have trying to, to that you've been trying to do, you've been trying to get it right. You've been trying to look the part. You've been trying to feel something deep inside of you that can last. You've been looking for security. You've been looking for hope. All of it is found in me, y'all. Jesus and His finished work on the cross and re- rising from the grave is the only thing worth your counting on and your identity. Jesus says it's done. You've been, you've, been, you've been trying to clean it up. You've been, you've, you've been trying to make sure it's all all right. Jesus says, it's, it's, it's done. You can, this is something solid. You can stake your identity. You can stake your, your, your serenity. You can stake your security on me. Jesus forgives in an instant. All of that stuff you see in the mirror, he forgives in an instant and he gives you a new identity. Look at 2 Corinthians five seventeen. It says, therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. You see, that thing you've been chasing, that feeling of being somebody because of the people that you're friends with, that feeling, that chasing of perfection, that feeling of wanting purpose, that feeling of having love from other people, that feeling of a secure identity, it's found in Jesus alone. And the reason why you can't find it anywhere else and you still sin, you still mess up, there's still imperfections when you look at your reflection. The reason is because God is trying to get you to see that Jesus is your only answer. Your identity, when you put it solely in him, is no longer about who you are, or what you do, it's about who you belong to. When you accept Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. He he literally writes his name on your soul. He literally signs your heart. Does anybody else have kids who go to the fridge, get something to drink out, take two sips and put it down forever? (laughs) And adults. We remedied this situation a few months ago. Riley would go to the fridge, get a bottle of water, which I have no idea why all my illustrations this morning revolve around bottles of water. But he would go get a bottle of water, take a couple of sips and sit it down. So you know what we did? We got that sucker a Sharpie. So now when he goes, takes two sips of water and it, it gets warm, he doesn't pour it out. He writes his name on it. Why? Because it's gross to drink after him. Number two, so that everybody can know that bottle is him. So that when we see it in the fridge, we know it belongs to him. That is exactly what God does when you accept Christ as your savior. He writes his name on your heart, on your soul. And he says, this one is mine. And I love that in these verses, Paul says, this salvation is offered no matter who you are. Do y'all realize that in the kingdom of God, There is no black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, blue collar, 
white collar, that we are all one when we identify ourselves with our Savior. And it's for you no matter who you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been told. Jesus is for everyone. And I feel like that's important to raise that point because there's, there are people listening to me right now and you feel like this promise of secure identity in Jesus doesn't apply to you because of something you've experienced in your past. Maybe it's the way you were raised. Maybe it's the identity you have chosen. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it is the color of your skin. I'm here to tell you today that this free gift of Jesus, this, this secure identity in him and not what you see in that mirror is available to anyone and everyone. No one is excluded. There are no opt-out clauses. There is nothing that disqualifies you. It is for everyone. His identity and his forgiveness is for everyone. The theological term for the salvation is justification by faith. I could have just dropped that on you. Then y'all would have thought I was really smart. And then you could have gone and t- told your friends, which y'all can still use that tomorrow if you want to sound really spiritual. What'd you learn at church tomorrow, yesterday? Justification by faith. But what, what that means is, is literally when you surrender your life to Jesus, Jesus literally puts his righteousness on you. Not that you're perfect in that moment, not that you do everything right, not that when you look in the mirror, there's still not some blemishes, but literally when God looks at you because of your relationship with Jesus, he doesn't see your flaws, he sees Jesus's perfection. It happens instantaneously. It happens in a moment when you surrender your life. Now that's not to be confused with sanctification. Another big word that you can impress your friends with tomorrow. Sanctification is the process by which you become more and more like Jesus. That happens little by little as you walk with Jesus. And the reason why that's important to tell you is because some of you are struggling with your identity because when you look in the mirror, you still see some sins and mistakes and you're not perfect. And so what it causes you to do is the enemy sets it in your heart that maybe you aren't saved because you don't see perfection. Y'all, justification, salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification happens as we walk with Jesus and surrender to him and read his word and talk with him and learn more about him, that sanctification, just because you don't feel perfect right now doesn't mean your identity isn't secure in the person and the finished work of Jesus. How amazing is that? That the thing we've been searching for for so long, in an instant, Jesus changes all of it and secures our identity forever. Paul goes on to tell him in verse 23, he says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short, short of glory, God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. In other words, we're different. Our identity is secure. So now we don't have to go chasing it. He says, you're free and somebody needs to hear me say today that you're free. You don't have to impress them. If you do not make them happy, it's okay. You're free, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look perfect. You don't have to say the perfect things. You don't have to feel perfect all the time. You're free. Jesus gives us the freedom when he secures our identity because nothing is gonna make him stop loving you. 
my Messiah is my mirror and he says that I am accepted and he identifies me as his, as his child. I hear from so many believers who've accepted, accepted justification, but don't live in the freedom that Jesus offers them. And so they still, even though, even though they have a relationship with Jesus, they still look at the mirror over and over and they try to search for peace and they try to search for purpose and they try to search for security in what they do and what they see in the mirror. Jesus gives you the freedom to not look in the mirror, but to look at him. It's time for you to walk with Jesus and let him lead you to see yourself the way he sees you. Then verse 25, Paul says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding the blood. When you can get to the point of looking in the mirror and seeing just a little bit of what Jesus sees in you when he sees you, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. It'll change the way you wake up in the morning. It'll change the way you go to work. It'll change the way you see work. It'll change your relationship with your friends, with your spouse, with your kids, with your grandkids. It'll change the peace that you feel. Even in unspeakable circumstances, it'll change the joy that you live with. It'll change your relationship with God. It will literally change everything when you can see yourself the way that Jesus sees you. But how do you do that? Well, you have to, you have to look at the mirror in a little different way. You see, usually when we look in a mirror, we think about the fact that a mirror flips everything, right? So if I hold this up, if I can get out of the way enough, there we go. This looks flipped, it looks backwards. You ever notice that? You ever looked in a mirror? <laughs> and so the way I've always thought is that, well, I don't guess I've really thought much about it, but the, the mirror flips the words. But what I read about mirrors is that because typically we print on opaque paper, that means you can see through it a little bit. Because we typically print on opaque paper, what's really happening when we look at text in a mirror is it's actually turning the text from the inside out. So it doesn't just flip everything, but it literally reverses it. And so when you look at these words in this mirror, you are actually seeing the back of the word first. So it's literally seeing it from the inside out. When Jesus looks at you, this is what he sees. He sees you from the inside 
out. So he takes that reflection that you have hated for so long, all of that external stuff, all of those internal insecurities, and he flips it from the inside out. And he says, I look at your name that I have written on your heart. I look at your identity in me. I look at the eternal salvation that I have given you. When I see you, I don't see that stuff that you see. I see you from the inside out. If we can ever learn to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us and to see the the inside that he has blessed us with, then the outside stuff will begin to take care of itself. You've got to look at the mirror a different way and you've got to look at yourself through the reflection that Jesus sees when he looks at you and he sees a child dearly loved, never forsaken. He sees a child he was willing to go to the cross for. He sees someone who he will never leave. He sees someone who will always provide uh, everything they need in the in their present circumstances, when Jesus looks at you, he sees so much more than you do. We've got to learn to see ourselves the way he does. So how do we, how do we do that? Well, I looked in the Bible and I couldn't find a section labeled identity for dummies. But I do think that God gave me four things that we can do to try to see ourselves from the inside out. Number one is to look in the mirror. To look in the mirror and see the, see the flaws. See the, the past that you regret. See the relationships that you broke. See the messed up parts of who you are. Look in the mirror, see the flaws. But then the second thing is you gotta, you gotta look in the mirror again. You gotta look in the mirror again and try to see yourself the way Jesus does. See the you that is wrapped in his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace. Accept the fact that you're loved regardless of the flaws. And the third thing is forgive yourself. Some of you, the reason why you have this identity crisis because you refuse to forgive yourself because you think if I forgive myself then I may do it again this may sound a little crass I used that word right that was the right use of it Okay. this might sound a little crass but if the savior of the world God who put the moon and the stars in the sky, the God who created the oceans, the God who has always been and will always be, if the Alpha and the Omega says that he forgives you, who are you not to forgive yourself? fourth thing is 
let Jesus be your mirror as you follow and seek him. Look at Jesus. Let him tell you who you really are. And then let him point out the things that you need to change. Because when he does it, he's not a jerk to us like we are. When he does it, he shows you a picture of what your life can be if you begin to work on this and on that and on this and on that. Because he starts with your identity. And then he says, walk with me. Walk with me, child. Oh, I know you see so much that you have that's messed up. I, I, I know that there, you have a lot of problems. But when I look at you, I don't see those problems. When I look at you, I see my perfect son. If you'll just follow after him, he'll begin to work on those problems. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's people in the room this morning and Oh man, I so feel this. There's people in the room this morning and you don't have the security that Jesus offers because you don't have a relationship with him. You know the right answers. You may have even prayed a prayer in church at a time, but you do not have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't surrendered your life. You haven't surrendered your identity to him that's you this morning and you want to look in the mirror in a new way just say this prayer there's nothing magic about it it's just a confession the Bible says that you if you admit that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life died on a cross and got out of a grave and you confess with your mouth that he is your Lord that you're going to follow him and the Bible says you will be saved you will be justified in a moment so just say this confession say Jesus I want stability. I want identity in you. I've tried to prove myself. I've tried to get it right. I can't do it. But I confess that and I believe that you, that you're my answer, that your finished work is my answer. So I surrender my life to you. I give it over to you. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to follow you as best as I can. As you sanctify me, as you work on me as you work on my reflection I'm going to see myself from the inside out because you're going to save me it's in Jesus name we pray amen
sit here for just a moment. What I feel like is some of us right now, we just need to spend a moment with God. I don't want to rush this. It's 12.02, but who cares? Some of you right now, I just, I want you to spend some time in this moment because I want God to said in your spirit what you're feeling in your heart right now. It's funny, a lot of times when we think of this whole identity thing, a lot of people think it's a female thing. But it seems like I talk to just as many men as I do ladies who are struggling through this identity thing. We just struggle through it a little bit differently. If I could 
if I could just communicate, and I don't know that I can because I don't think I fully understand it, but if I could just somehow communicate to you how safe you are if you're a believer in Jesus. How much peace you can walk with and live with because you belong to Him. So what? You made a mistake. So what? They got mad at you. So what? Things aren't perfectly just the way you want them to be. Child, you are are loved. And when you have the Savior of the world and you have the Creator of the world on your side, the enemy can throw what he wants to at you. But you are protected and you are covered and you will still be standing by the mighty power of God. He writes his name on you. He declares you are his. He declares that nothing can take you out of his grasp. That is who you are. Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. This is the message, which is a paraphrase. But it says this, it says, Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at them that way anymore. Now we look inside. And we see, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. He's created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. All of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representative. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. If you would sing this familiar chorus with me that we sang earlier, I'm going to sing hallelujah.
Your blood.